0: This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello everybody, it's Matt Larkin here, senior writer at the Hockey News. Welcome to the Fantasy Hockey Podcast slash live stream. Brought to you by our sponsor, I'm going to duck for a second. That's Christian Hockey. Thank you, Christian Hockey. And a reminder, this is live so if you have questions, fire them in, and I'll start answering them kind of like, now, now, uh, now, okay? Before we get to that, though, I want to give you some pickups for your fantasy leagues. We're going to go shallow, medium, and deep, okay, starting with the shallow one. And it's a name that people never would have associated with being dropped or available in, in standard fantasy leagues, even last year, that's Shane Gossespierre. But he's landed in Alan Vigneault's doghouse in Philadelphia. He was healthy scratched for a little bit, but he's come back. And he's got two goals in his past three games. And I kind of have a rule in most leagues where if a player of a certain stature, reputation, talent level gets dropped, and it's free to pick the person up, give him that tryout, as I've said before on this podcast, just do it. And even if if Ghost Bear, you pick him up, he gets healthy scratched again in a week, it doesn't matter. You're giving him a shot, maybe you catch a wave, maybe he's figured out his game, because we know the talent level is there for him to be a top-tier fantasy defenseman. There's a lot of talent around him in Philly, so just give him a shot if he's available. Uh, the medium pickup. This is a weird one. Okay. So I want you to pick this person up and then immediately trade them and that's Tanner Pearson. Steven, Steven's looking at me being like, come on, that's Tanner Pearson. Okay. Tanner Pearson has found a really nice home in Vancouver. He's playing some of the best hockey. I think the best hockey since he was part of that seventies line when they were peaking in LA that's Tanner Pearson, uh, and he's really clicked with Bo Horvat. He's got 18 points in 28 games, and I personally thought that we would never see this kind of production from Tanner Pearson again, and he really kind of struggled with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Uh, and here's the thing, so 18 points, 28 games, he's producing like a pretty relevant guy in fantasy leagues, his ownership, I think he's owned in 18%, 16, 18% of leagues, but Pearson's old enough. He's in his mid to late 20s now. We kind of know who he is, and he's never going to be a guy who gets a ton of power play time, maybe, you know, second unit type stuff, but he's still more of a grinder, a digger. He's a smart player who overcomes the fact that he's not like a tremendous raw talent, and I still prefer to bet on talent in the long run, and I'm not out to diss Tanner Pearson. I'm just saying he's he's a better real-life player than fantasy player. I think the production is going to be more likely to decline from here on out. That said, you know, he plays on a Canadian team. There's a certain vanity that comes with those kinds of players. You can probably find the Canucks fan in your league. And if you if you happen to own Pearson, he keeps us up for another couple weeks. Maybe you can sell high. So just based on the production, the fact that he's playing in, in a big role right now in Vancouver, sure, he's absolutely worth a pickup. But all I'm saying is once you pick him up, then I'm going to put him on the sell high list. Now let's go to deep leagues. And it's a guy who... It's weird for me to consider him a deep league pickup because just talent-wise, he's kind of like the opposite of Tanner Pearson. I really like Alex Tuck of the Vegas Golden Knights on a talent level. I think he's just a big, rangy, power forward. Uh, I think that we haven't seen the best of him yet in the NHL. He's still finding his game. He has to just get healthy and stay consistently healthy for that to happen. Um, And he's available in, I think, 83% of leagues, last I checked. Uh, And the only problem is that right now he can't seem to elevate into that top six consistently, he's still usually a third liner, even though he's talented enough to be playing higher in the Vegas lineup and he's not getting that number one unit power play time. But I still like to recommend him because to to you know deliberately contradict what I'm saying about Tanner Pearson, if you're gonna bet on the talent, maybe Tuck is gonna play himself into a bigger role. And I just think he's still gonna get the secondary power play time. And also just in a deeper league, that's why I'm calling this the deep category, not every guy on your team has to be a top six forward. If you're playing in you know, a 16-team league with 20-man 20, 20 rosters, then there's still a place for a good third-liner on that team. So let's get to questions now, okay? Uh, we're going to start with a question just from Gremlin. And this, this is not the first question I've had about, about Max Domi, but I guess because there's some anger surrounding Domi, it's, is Domi a fantasy dud from here on out? I have been holding and holding, but starting to question the judgment. Domi, I still think he's a talented player. And I've said this before last year that I think he's really well-suited to the Montreal market. And he showed signs last year that his game was genuinely improved. It wasn't just a fluke season. That doesn't mean he's going to produce at a 70-plus point pace every year. But I still think he's a fantasy-relevant guy. And, and there's, context always matters, right? If you're in a really shallow league where there's a, a great point-per-game player available on the wire, sure, okay, you can drop Max Domi, But if you're in a big league, I still think he's someone who's going to get his points. He's going to have a 50-point floor in the long term. And the Habs are also, they're breaking in a lot of young players that need to find their groove. And someone like Nick Suzuki is an example, who started a bit slowly, but then has started to kind of develop and find his game. And that's going to lead to a lot of juggling in the lineup. And I think as the Habs young players surrounding Domi get more used to the NHL, they're going to produce better, which I think is going to help him produce better. So he's actually someone that in a deep league, if he was cheap to acquire, I would consider buying low on Max Domi. Next question. Let's see here. We're going to go with David Barassa. Is Miko Koskinen a number one goalie? Can he be one? Two more years at $4.5 and, and has good stats so far this year. Well, as someone who was kind of critical of the contract when it started one of my reasons was the sample size was so small it's still a very small sample size at the same time Koskinen was phenomenal in the KHL and he's got great size he's just, he's got like that Pekermannen type of build and it's not like I always say when a small goalie when a small goalie slumps there's a lot of net to shoot at, but when you're a really big goalie, it's harder to slump because you're just covering so much of the net. So I, I'm I'm not saying I'm ready to fully buy in on Kostandin as a number one, but I, I'm buying the improvement this year because, based on what we saw from him the year before, you know when he was coming over from the KHL, the expectations were that he was going to have a pretty good chance to make an impact just because of the fact that he's got really good experience overseas and he's got great size. So I, I would call him a hold in fantasy leagues if you, depending on if this question comes from a Koskinen owner or someone looking to acquire him I think you want to still see more bigger sample size but maybe we want to see into the new year if he can keep this up um, and it's kind of like the, the Edmonton Oilers as a whole right their analytics have not been as good as, as their actual production so you want to give them more time just to see you know guys like Zach Cashin you want to see if that's going to be sustainable so I think Koskinen give him another 10-15 games then we can rediscuss his sample See, I really liked uh, Koskinen a few years ago when he was a top goaltender at your all time favorite hockey tournament. Steven's going to, Steven, he loves his international hockey. We call it like international hockey porn. Like we'll come into the office and he'll have on like Division Five, like Italy versus, you know, I don't know, a random country that isn't associated with hockey. We had like Thailand versus like Singapore on a few Yeah, days that's ago. like Steven. That's called, we call that Steven porn. Um, the World Championship, don't get me started, okay? It's not best on best. A great tournament it's it's not it's good hockey the tournament all the world championship is is it's like when you're playing road hockey and you're knocking on doors around your neighborhood to see who's available it's the best of whoever was available on this guy's out of the playoffs he can play it doesn't determine anything okay it doesn't you don't know anything after watching the world championship it ain't best on best i'm gonna leave it at that hey, if, if we want to be like totally specific here even the world junior isn't uh, best well, best. No, but it's best of a certain age group versus best of a certain nope, age group. No, nope, because uh, Jack Hughes is pretty good, but he's not playing in this tournament. Stop making See? good arguments, Steven. Shh. Okay, anyways, <laughs> let's get back to fantasy. <laughs> so next one is from Danny Daug. He doesn't spell it Daug. He just spells it like D-O-G-G, but I just felt like saying Daug. Uh, Danny says, love the show. Thanks, Danny. Does Joe Pavelski have any bounce back value this season? Just 12 points in 29 games and only two in the past 10. I am worried about Joe Pavelski. Uh, I think that Pavelski's a savvy vet. He's been a really good player into his 30s and a kind of a late blooming NHLer as well. But the injury he suffered in the playoffs last year was really horrific. And I, I kind of wonder if it's the kind of injury that took, you know, I don't want to be too, too dramatic and say years off his career, but. Um, I don't know if he's fully bounced back from what he went through physically. And I know he tried to come back in the playoffs last year, but I think it was too soon for that as well. And when you factor in that he's in his mid-30s, he's and a lot of you know, people forget that players are they're still real people and they have to uproot their lives. And Felski spent his whole career in one place, and now he's playing in a new market for the first time ever. So you never know if on a personal level if it's not just a fit yet, yeah, it's taking him more time. To, to gel. If, there are just too many too many strikes against him for me not to worry. He's into his mid-30s now, coming off a major injury, and changing environments, playing in a new market for the first time in his career. So I think he'll be better than what he's shown so far, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this is just Joe is going to decline, and instead of being a perennial you know, 30-goal, 35-goal, 60-plus point guy, maybe he's going to be a 20-goal, 45-point guy as his career starts to wind down. And nothing wrong with that, it's just it's the science of aging. Next one is from Jade Hawkins. Junus Donskoy is on pace for 70 points this season and playing with McKinnon and Ranton and his help with that. 70 seems like a stretch, so what do you see his ceiling to be? Donskoy is a guy you, with whom you must tread carefully, and I own him in the deep league that I play in. Uh, problem with Donskoy is we know that Gabriel Landeskog is on the verge of returning. And even though the Avs have done a really good job, you know, Sakek has really added to the depth of this team. So it gives them a lot more flexibility of how to play their lineup. And they don't necessarily have to ice the big line. Just that line is so dominant. I just can't see Landis Kog not getting his spot back. donskoy has been great on the left. That said, I still think Donskoi's floor might be the highest it's ever been. So maybe he's going to be a 50-point guy because of the fact he showed during that time. I think he's got, like I wrote it down. Uh, I was looking at some numbers today because again, he's on my league. He's, he's in my league. I think he's got something like 15 points in his past 12 games so he's shown that he has the ability to produce which means that if you're Jared Bednar you're thinking okay that's great if I ever want to mix things up and put Landis Cog with Nazem Kadri, I know that Don Skoy can hang on that top line so I can juggle that lineup now and that's why Joe Sakik made these moves this summer he wanted to bring that flexibility to a team that was kind of criticized for being a one-line operation and I don't think that's the case anymore so it's great news for Colorado the next question and as we go here just a reminder we're still live so if you have any questions just keep firing my way and i'll see if i can get to them okay um next one is from anders barrenshaw and Anders says with toronto struggling to find stability with a backup goaltender do you think freddie anderson will earn more starts down the line and perhaps play more back-to-backs completely i think maybe a little bit i i, I mean i got into some trouble on twitter for saying this wasn't a big deal last night when he played a back to back because i i really don't think it's going to happen that often at the same time anderson uh you know he's shown under when when he was under mike babcock but he's always been um throughout his time in toronto a pretty high volume goaltender so he's a goalie i mean i guess every goalie likes to play a lot and i know i know Brain Brain he said this in the cap's dressing room when we were in there like a, a month ago he he said he'd play 82 games if he was allowed. So that you know that's why they're NHL goalies. They have that mentality. But I think even just specifically to Anderson, he's just a super high-volume goalie. So he is a guy who can play. He's one of the only guys left in the league right now who can respond pretty well to playing like 68 games, 65 games, 69 games. So based on that, he has the ability, because he's proven it, to play back-to-backs. At the same time, I think that's not what the Leafs want. The Leafs are hoping to find a solution, whether it's going to be Michael Hutchinson, whether they're going to have to find a way to manage the cap and make a trade. I think it's going to be the latter. Uh, And when they do, I think if that happens at some point in the season, they're going to try and take the foot off the gas with Anderson because some people who aren't pleased with Anderson's playoff performance think that he runs out of gas. I personally think that Anderson has not been the real problem in those losses, but that's how some people feel. So I do think that, you know, the game has changed, and I've written a lot about this if you read our magazine lately. Uh, the goalie position is a lot more demanding. And it's a, it's largely because the rule changes in the league have allowed a lot more east-west play, like the crackdown on slashing and stuff. So goalies, and, it, and it's a former goalie who told me this, I think it was Jamie McLennan, like the goalies have to move a, a lot more laterally. They have to get up and down a lot more during games. They have to push side to side because the puck is moving a lot more laterally. So the position is way more physically demanding for all goalies than it was even 10, 15 years ago, which means that it does take more out of them to play a lot, which means that goalies league-wide, are or, or league, uh, teams league-wide, are trying to reduce their goalies' workloads. And I think it's now nine of the past 10 Stanley Cup-winning goalies played fewer than 60 games. And I think maybe the past six or seven in a row. That is the trend. So I do think the Leafs, long story short, are gonna be wanna be part of that trend and find someone to spell Frederick Anderson more at some point this season. So I wouldn't bet on a ton of back-to-backs. Maybe one or two more if the Hutchinson problem continues and that they haven't found the replacement. But long run, I think they'll get Anderson back on a, a normal schedule. And the next one is from Angry Punishment. Angry Punishment says, Who are some of the best grabs in the league who qualify for multiple positions? Left wing, right wing, center, ideally. I want to grab Kirby Dack so badly, but too many centers... Uh, are are too many guys with center as their only position in my yahoo league Uh, i'm going to take a sip of water first here okay to wet the old whistle uh one of the names that that stood out to me uh was ryan strome who is really (laughs) something about these stromes and their their questionable skating and then their late bloomings of their careers it seems to be the 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 career trend for all stromes and it seems to be that Ryan Strom who someone, again, he had very high draft pedigree. I think he was fifth or sixth overall pick with the New York Islanders at the beginning of this decade. And he's really found himself. And it's crazy because I, I thought the New York uh, New York Rangers were going to have a, a hole in terms of not having anyone that was truly ready to be a number two center on the team. But Strom is really, I mean, he's been like a, roughly a point-per-game guy. And he's someone who, I think because the reputation of being sort of a pseudo-bust kind of still... Is attached to him in a lot of fantasy leagues he's still kind of neglected and available in leagues that are more casual so it's possible that he's available in your league and he qualifies at center and i believe right wing as well because he's someone who's played a bit of both in his career so i would recommend trying to grab ryan strong okay next question is Okay. Okay, Matt. Let's get to the hard questions in shallowish leagues. Who are the best buy-low defensemen? Okay, this is one that kind of applies to my own league. And I think you got to buy low on P.K. Subban now, right? Because we don't know for sure if he's hiding an injury. You never know when a guy's production is like completely falling off a map. It's always a question. But with a coaching change, you just never know what's going to light a fire. John Hines is out. Maybe, you know, we don't know what has gone on behind closed doors, but we know Subban, it's been an absolute disaster of a season. I did not see it coming, given the talent around him. But new voice in the room now, and you just never know. That could be the spark. A lot of guys, and that's something, I've said this before, for whatever reason, hockey more so than most sports players really respond to coaching changes, not just in the standings, but even in terms of production. It's just an emotional lift. they get and I mean we saw it with the Leafs they start the first few games at least after Sheldon Keefe you know Tyson Berry for example scores three games in a row and maybe P.K. Subban is gonna pull Tyson Berry and start filling the net and I like I I bought low on him uh, just a few days ago in my league because I just figured hey you never know the talent has always been there Subban's not that old he should still still be able to produce like an elite uh, fantasy defenseman especially just if if the Devils can find a way to harness the talent all around them at the same time, you just don't know if Taylor Hall is going to get traded soon, so then there would be less of a support system. Either way, though, Suman, this is the cheapest he's ever been in any league. I think last the day I traded for him in my league, he had five points. So you have to go get him. When someone with that much talent costs so little, it means almost nothing. You'll, you give up almost nothing to get him. Just go do it, and if it doesn't work out, you haven't given up much to get him, so why not? Okay, next one is from... Stancy Stancy Kerrigan. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that that is a typo, and that this is Stacy Kerrigan. Steven, can you confirm? Did you mess up there, pal? Did you ty- Did you have a typo on Stancy? <laughs> or is it a is it a is it like a pun of Nan- Nancy Kerrigan? It could be. It could be a person named Stan. That's how you spell. Not, it? I can't re- I can't read it, my, I, it is, not good It is Stancy. Okay, so I guess it's a it's, instead of someone named Stacy, it's it's a guy named Stan who. His nickname is just a playoff Nancy Harrigan, I guess. Uh, all right, Stancy. And Stancy says, I made a horrendous error in judgment and drafted Taylor Hall one spot ahead of Leon Dreisaitl. Ooh, it's okay. I don't know how that happened though. Stancy, after Dreisaitl had 50 plus goals and 100 points. how, how, how? Like Dreisaitl was like a consensus top four pick in fantasy leagues this year, before what he's done this year. So I don't get it. I don't get it, my friend. Um, so he drafted Taylor Hall one spot ahead of Leon Dre It's okay I got I got Pasternack the round before. This is what draft was this stancy? I want to play in this league. People are crazy in this league. Do I give up on Hall at this point or hold on hoping for a return to MVP pace? Okay, you have to hold on to Hall. Uh again, I'll I'll go with my usual disclaimer. It depends on your league size. If it's the shallowest of leagues, you never know. But there's still too much potential. There's there's so many different avenues for Hall to rediscover his value. It could be because of the coaching change. Maybe something's going to click and the whole team around him is going to play better. But I think the, the other scenario to really consider is the likelihood of a trade. And you look at some of the almost all of the suitors, the either of course they're contending teams, right? Because they're that's why you're going to go for a potential rental, which means that Hall will be landing in a really good situation, surrounded by other really good players, and just to name a few examples of teams that have been linked to him, like Colorado. So you get Taylor Hall, and he's, is he is he going to get a shot with with McKinnon? Even though I know Landeskog is the usual left winger, just to tap into the speed potential, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a shot there. Pittsburgh is being thrown around. I don't I don't know if Pittsburgh would have the assets, but they they've been a name. Has been thrown around. And imagine you get you know again Hall with Crosby, Hall with Malkin, and of course there's the fun Edmonton idea that people have thrown around. I don't know how Edmonton you know their cap. It'll be a little tough to pull off, but you never know. Uh, and again, it's like well, if does Hall get a shot? Maybe maybe it means Drysaddle drops to a second line. Hall gets to play with McDavid or Hall gets to play with Nugent Hopkins, his old pal. You never know. All these scenarios are good. So it's risky to sell Hall because he's a rare player for whom we we cannot properly project the value for the rest of the season at the moment. It's it, He's a total wild card. And for that reason, again, I'm gonna flip it and say, I wouldn't mind trading for Taylor Hall in my league because I think there's just potential, like he's kind of, there's nowhere to go but up, right? There are a lot of scenarios that would spike his value and I don't see his value getting worse barring, you know, an injury and of course that's always the risk with Taylor Hall. Um, this is from Sam Jeffries. Is Johnny Gaudreau worth keeping on a roster over trading? Johnny Gaudreau, what a weird story it's been. And this that's not just this year, right? Because he was on a almost 120 point pace by the halfway point last year and he finishes with 99 points, which includes a big slump in the second half. So, it's been, you know, I don't know how many games it's been, 60 plus games now of Johnny Gaudreau producing nowhere near what he's supposed to be at. And you wonder if it's the space between his ears. The only the only thing, I mean, you don't want to call it a good thing. Everything to do with Bill Peters has being horrific. But if you're talking about Johnny Gaudreau's potential, maybe after everything we've learned about Peters, maybe Gaudreau just wasn't a fit because he was just not clicking with a with a coach for whom we've learned some about whom we've learned some horrible things. So with the Flame situation changing again, it's it's similar to Taylor Hall. I don't think you want to give up on Gaudreau. The talent is still off the charts. He's got, I'd say, you know, if you're ranking guys' hands in the league, it's top three or four sets of hands in the entire NHL, and New environment now with a new coach, it could spark him, right? And he's still very young. It's not like he's at risk of a decline in his skills yet. Uh, so uh, again, I think draws a hold. Someone with that much potential, he's like you know the expression they use is league winner, and he's someone who if you sell him at his base value, it's it could really burn you later. I th- like I think he's better off as a target for. A buy low because he could be that league winner he could get hot and he could get 50 points in his next 30 games he's still that good i'm still a believer in the long run next question is from oh it's gremlin's back gremlin's back for more and gremlin says would you store tarasenko in your ir and hope he comes back for the playoffs or earlier in the league with season limited transactions i think i would and i know it's it's a tough call with limited transactions but if you're looking at you know what what defines a player that's worth a stash? To me, it's a player that has the ability to, you know, be a late season pickup that could produce like a frontline player. And I still think Tarasenko's Echo's never quite realized the potential. Uh, I, I thought he was gonna be a 50-goal guy, just given how hard his shot is and his just puck skills. I thought he was gonna sort of be the, the successor to Ovechkin, but he settled in as more a guy who's like a 35 goal in his sleep type of player, still very valuable player, second-tier player in fantasy. Uh, But that's still really valuable compared to what you're likely to find off the wire at the end of your season approaching your fantasy playoffs. So to me, that's the definition of a high upside stash. And we don't know if he's going to be ready, but if he is, he's someone who could get hot and it's worth the stash. Okay, this one is from Paul Zulak. Do you think James Reimer has the potential to be the number one goaltender in Carolina, or are we looking at a tandem with Peter Mrazic? That's a tough one because both Reimer and Razick have shown flashes throughout their career, uh, just as guys who could put up good numbers, but they have not been able to do it consistently. Uh, I, I think I, I don't think that Reimer, I don't see a scenario in which Reimer overtakes Razick, unless we're talking. You know, in the playoffs, most teams like to name one starter, so who knows? It's going to be whoever outplays the other by April, right? Uh, but I could see them settling into long term a long term platoon because it's just less of a taboo thing in the NHL these days. A lot of teams like the New York Islanders have had great success doing the almost even split platoon over the past couple years. Uh, And if Mrazek just doesn't find that consistency, which he hasn't seemed to this year, there's no reason why they can't turn to Reimer and just keep riding the hot hand back and forth. I think what Carolina wants to happen, of course, is for Mrazek to do what he did last year. He caught fire. He's one of the best goalies in the league, if not the best goalie in the league, after the All-Star break. And Mrazek's a guy, you know, it's hard because... The talent has always been there back to his days as an Ottawa 67. I thought he was going to be a star. Like if you played footage of me in 2011, I, it would be me just with a less fat face talking about how much I like Peter Mrazek, right? So I, I think he has the ability, but it just hasn't found the consistency. So we'll see. Next one is, <laughs> what is this? We had to include it. Okay, Andrew Ray. If a chicken and a half can lay an egg and a half, in a day and a half, how long does it take for a centipede with one wooden leg to kick the seeds out of a dill pickle? Andrew Ray, you're just giving me a headache, my friend. I I, I could try to really map out the math on this. I kind of want to solve the riddle, but I don't think it's a service to our, our viewers and listeners to watch me solve, <laughs> solve a centipede riddle. I'll try and do it later. So we're going to go to just Ryan, a guy named Ryan. I have David Pasternak, but I'm going to come last in my pool. What would he bring in? Well, he should bring in a ton, whether it's a re- I, I, like a redraft pool. I guess I, I'm, I'm guessing it is a redraft pool, or, or sorry, a keeper pool. If you're th- if you're last place, but you're thinking about trade returns, it's got to be a keeper league. Uh, and David Pasternak should return a king's ransom, whether you certainly have picks you can trade. I, I I think one thing I would do is if, if the teams at the top of your league, if one of them has like Jack Hughes or Kako, those are two guys who we know – their career potential is enormous, but neither guy has met expectations so far, so they're great buy lows. So if you could get a package that includes one of those two types of players and another solid young player and a first-round pick, I think David Pasternak is a guy. You know, we, he's flirting with 50 goals in 50 games. He's one of the most valuable players in real-life hockey, in fantasy hockey. So right now is actually a great time to sell him if you know that you have no chance to make the playoffs because Pasternak, he's looking great for 50 goals. Uh, and last year he had a 100-point pace before he got hurt, so it's totally sustainable, except he's on pace for 70-plus goals right now. That's going to be pretty hard to sustain. The only person in in the salary cap era to even get 65 goals is Alex Ovechkin at, at his peak, and Stamkos is the only other guy to score 60, right? So even 60 is still a tall order. It could happen this year, but you're... Pasternak, you know, if you consider peak value is 100, he's 110% of his value right now. So I think now's an ideal time to sell David Pasternak. We'll get a couple more. Uh, this is from Bryce Hamilton. If you had to keep one goalie in a keeper league, who would it be, Carter Hart or John Gibson? Oh, I love both. Um, I, think, I think it's going to be John Gibson for me. In a way, you know, the Flyers and their rebuild are further along than the Ducks. But I just love John Gibson as a goaltender. I think he's got great poise. He's got great athleticism. He's got great everything. And statistically, over the past couple of years, a lot of people, and I'm one of these people, believe he's been really the best goaltender in the NHL. Uh, and if you look at the quality of, of workload, he's still managed to put up really good numbers most of the time, despite having a very difficult workload in terms of just shot quality. And that's a testament to just how good he is. And I think he's got everything you want in a goaltender. He's got the size. He's got the smarts. And he's just got the poise and and the competitiveness, and he's got the total package. I think Carter Hart's great too, uh, but I think if you're looking for an edge between the two, Gibson has uh, a a bigger frame than Carter Hart. Hart's one of the smaller starting goalies in the league. Uh, And I I think Anaheim, you know, their scouting has always been so good that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a team that they're rebilled accelerates quicker than expected, right? For guys like Zegras and Sam Steele and building around you know, those young forwards and they still have good young defensemen like Hampus Lindholm to build around. So I think that Gibson is so good that you know the team in front of him doesn't have to be amazing for Anaheim to start winning and that would make him valuable in fantasy even if, even if the team in front of him is just decent because he's going to get those wins because he's going to keep the team afloat and they're not going to have to win games 6-5. They can win games 3-2. Gibson's that good and he's still in his prime. So... I lean toward Gibson, but I think if, if Carter Hart is your goalie in your keeper league, that's totally great too. He's a great keeper as well. So I think that's going to conclude it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for the questions, even that weird centipede one. I'm going to go check out the riddle after this and see if it's something that can be solved. Thanks, everybody.